0: John chapter number 5, a familiar passage of Scripture, I'm sure for many of you, maybe not for some of you, starting in verse number 1, John chapter 5, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. Listen to how he said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. To put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Today, I want to preach to you a little bit on this thought. Can't, never, could. Can't, never, could. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I ask that you meet with us here this morning, God. Lord, your Holy Spirit, let it fill this place up like it ain't never felt this place up before, God. Oh, Lord, give me the anointing, God. Don't let people see me, but let people see Jesus, God. I want to be transparent, God. Oh, God, I want glory to be... For you, Lord, not for me, God. I don't want any glory from this, God. It's all you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have the mind to preach if it wasn't for you. I want to thank you, Lord, that you saved my soul from the devil's hell so many years ago. I want to thank you, Lord, that you gave me the call to preach your word to help other people, Lord. Lord, I love you and I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blood and thank you for the cross. Lord, open people's eyes and ears to the message. As I speak your message from heaven, Lord, that you gave me this morning, Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So it's one thing to say that you can do something, but it's another thing to say that you can't do something. When I was younger, my mom always told me, can't, never could do anything. And I'm sure us being in the South here, we've all heard that phrase once or twice in our lives, maybe a little bit more if you had stricter parents. Can't, never could do anything. I remember when I was learning how to drive, mom, I can't do, can't never could, can't never could. I remember when they put me on a bicycle, I can't ride a bicycle without training wheels. I believe I was eight or nine years old when they tried to do it, put me on a bike without training wheels. I was already old enough, I should have been on a bike without training wheels, but I remember my mom telling me, can't never could, and and now that's resonated with me as I've gotten older. And with my kids, when they say they can't do something, I'll say can't never could, because It resonates with me. I know that I was there one time. I know that I said I couldn't. And somebody told me, can't, never, could. And it pushed me forward because they know I could do it. And now I can do that with my kids. I can say, hey, can't, never, could, do anything. You can do this. You can do this. Put your heart into it. You can do it. God wants you to do this. Can't, never, could, do anything. Yet so many of us today have these can't-do attitudes. We look at the mountains in our lives and say, no way that can be moved. There's no possible way that mountain can be moved. That can't be done. I can't succeed. And you know what? When we think of, the, when we think of stuff like that, we're living in defeat. Mountain-moving miracles do not happen in can't-do people. I'm just going to let you know. if Mountain-moving miracles will not happen if you tell the Lord, I can't do it. they won't, it won't happen. We live in a society, though, full of cants. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go to church because I'm too tired. I can't read the Bible because I'm too busy. I can't do... Well, guess what? That means there's something in the way. God wants you to read your Bible. God wants you to go to church. So what's, what's stopping you from doing it? Get those cants. Eliminate those cants. Because can't never could do anything. I'm, t- I'm telling you like it is. We live in a society where we just pat our kids on the back and tell them it's okay when they say, I can't do something. That's the society we live in today. When we have kids uh, that grow up and say, Mom, I can't carry this baby full term. There's no way. And we ride them off to the abortion clinic. They say they can't do something. I can't. I can't go to church. I, I was out all night partying last night. I can't. I can't. You live that attitude, you ain't going to be able to go. You ain't going to go to church. You got to fix that problem. Fix that can't in your mind. Fix that can't. We're just patting them on the back in competitions. Kids don't win the competition; they give up and say, "I can't do it." And we say, "All right, it's okay. It's okay." We don't push them to be their best. We give everybody a trophy now for a participation. I like to win when I, when I play basketball. I like to win when I played football. I like to go out and win. We should be winners in Christ. We should be soul winners in Christ. But we're living in a society full of can'ts that's changed the way we think. Changed it. So what are we going to do about that? I can't study my Bible because I'm always at work. I can't get along with God because I have no quiet place to go. God, I can't fast for you because I'll get hungry and want some food. There's truth to it. If we keep telling ourselves that we can't do something and we don't believe we can do it, we may as well just lie down and wave the white flag of surrender up. Let the devil just do his do. We need to be going the other direction, surrendering to the one that gave us life, to the one that breathed his breath in us, the one that gave his life, the one that died for us all. Oh, the cross, the cross, it all comes back to the cross. We get to the cross and we start picturing it and we start living because he died. Things will change. Those cancel leave your mind. You won't be saying, I can't do it anymore. You won't be doing that anymore because we've got the cross in our mind. We picture Jesus, that song we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You've heard that before. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. What do we see? We say that, we sing that. We're just we're just saying it. We're in the motion of singing, but we're not actually thinking about what we're saying. I once was blind, but now I see. What do we see? I can see Jesus. on the. I can see the love in his eyes. I can see the tears flowing down his cheeks as he's got you and me on his mind, as he's got us all on his mind. He thought of every one of you. He thought of us all as he gave up his life. And we want to say we can't do something. We want to look at people around us and say we can't do something because what? Our friends will judge us because our friends will make fun of us because we're Christians because we are not who we're supposed to be. I used to be that way too until somebody told me about Jesus. Until somebody gave an invitation to me and the Lord just drew me in. Thankful. I'm thankful for the Lord. I look at my brother. He's a walking miracle. Where he came from, he's got a testimony. Where he came from and where he is now, God is a miracle-making God. But the devil is running our bulldozer right over us. All over the churches too. I can't share the gospel with that person because they might get mad at me or what they think of me. But hey, I'm a Christian. I, I can't um, go to church because I have too much on my plate. But hey, I'm a Christian. Christian means like Christ. So, why don't we act like Christ? Every time we let our minds start telling us we can't do things, we're giving in to what the flesh wants. We're giving in to uh, what the devil wants, and we're not doing what God wants. We see here in this particular story a man laying by a pool, 38 years in his disease. He couldn't walk. You can make connections with this man. If, you hear, if you're sitting here under the sound of my voice and you're lost, you don't know for sure, you know, you can make a connection with this man. If you're saved, you can make a connection with this man who is just dealing with some kind of issue of sin in his life. You can make the connection with this man. So I want you to think, if you're sitting here saved today, as I go through this story, picture you, this person as you. Picture this crippled man as you. If you're lost sitting here this morning, picture this crippled man as you. Let the Word of God speak to you. Don't let Dakota Ashley speak to you. I have nothing for you today. If you came to see me, you came to the wrong church. I can do nothing. I can't do nothing, but I can do all through Christ who gives me strength. It's through Christ that gives me strength. So we see this man laying at this pool 38 years. 38 years. And then on a certain season, an angel would come and heal somebody. The waters would get stirred up. Somebody would get healed. I don't know why God set it up that way, but He did. I'm not sure if it was a visible angel or an invisible angel. I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't say. But I can tell you that was one of the ways God just showed His power. That's one of the ways. But I can tell you that power wasn't from the angel. That power is from God. Any power on this earth all comes from God. I don't care what kind of power it is. It comes from God. Everything, all power comes from God. But but when Jesus showed up on the scene and said, will thou be made whole? He's making excuse after excuse saying, I have no man to carry me. They keep stepping over me. Sometimes we make excuses when Jesus is right in front of us. Do we not? I'm preaching to myself here. Sometimes we make excuses when Jesus is right in front of us. So let's set the scene. There's a festival going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. A pool called Bethesda. Beth means house, and Esta means mercy. So, in other words, this can be called a house of mercy. And remember, there's five porches. The word says five in the in, in God's word means grace. So, what, what can we call this place? A place of mercy and grace. I kind of like to think of the pool as a church in today's standards. A church. Should be a place full of God's mercy and God's grace. A church should have it all. People should be flooding the churches every week wanting to get right with God. Why isn't that happening? It has to do with the believers, it has to do with the believers, the born again Christians. We're falling short when it comes to doing what the Lord wants. We want to see this church. Look how many empty pews are in this church today. How can we get them right? If every one of us were in the will of God in this room today, I promise you this church would be full. But that's what it comes down to. We have to tell, quit telling God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't do that. When is God's punishment? When is God's death on the cross? When is that going to be enough? When is that going to be enough to where we say, God, I can do it. I can do it. Because of what you did, I can do anything. Do you ask do you care about your children? Do you care about your grandchildren? Do you want them to have a church to come to? Your great grandchildren, your great great grandchildren. Or does it only matter now? Because a lot of the times that's what we're saying. We're saying it only matters now. Now. We've got to quit holding on to cans in our life and we gotta let go and let God work. That's our only hope for revival. This world is only the way it is because of us. It's not because of God. So we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus through these storms. Peter, he was walking on the water just fine when he had his eyes on the Lord. But it was when he started looking around him and seeing the waves and the storm crashing, he started thinking, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. I can do this. And he started sinking. When we start to say, I can't, we start to sink. Can't do people. Won't walk on water, but can do people can. So... Four points today: How to get rid of your cants in your life today? How to get rid of your cants. First point: Pure patience. You've got to have pure patience. Look at verse number three. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. All kinds of people here. All kinds of different needs that need to be met. It says all these people were waiting on the stir. Of the water to be healed, some of these people have been going back year after year, waiting, 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 and nothing's happening. Some of you might say, "Well, so they're, they have patience, right? They're waiting on God. They're, they're, they're patient." No, they're not being patient at all. They're waiting on the. They may be waiting on the move of the waters, but they not they're not being that pure patience. That's not being patient. None of them, none of the other people around them, matter to them. The definition of patience is this to be able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. They weren't being patient. I promise you, those people remember that cripple man said they were stepping over him. They were letting it, they didn't care about that cripple man. They were only in it for themselves. If you're only in it for yourself, you don't have pure patience. You don't have pure patience at all. We have some people in the church that are waiting on God to stir the waters before they run, start running. They're wait, waiting on God before a revival breaks loose, before they start coming. They're thinking only of themselves. Pure patience means even what when God's asking, what God's asking you, does it benefit you? That's not a reason not to do it. It's not a reason not to do it. Move anyway. In reality, God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us before He makes a move. But even when you tell people that, even when I've told it over and over, God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. I preach at Recovering Soldiers every Saturday. And I, I have a theme. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Always tell others of the Redeemer. If you don't move, we're, we're, we're holding the Holy Spirit captive. We're not letting Him do His work He wants to do. We're supposed to be the feet and hands of Jesus. But the church is failing to do so because we don't have the pure patience. People won't move. I've said it. Well, God is waiting on you to move. Don't wait on Him to start stirring the waters. Move for Him. God may not answer that prayer overnight. It might take a while. God might not do what you want to be done. As a matter of fact, God ain't always going to do what you want to be done. That ain't the way it works. So you're just in a hurry a hurry. A hurry for the water to stir. A hurry for revival. A hurry for the church to get full. A hurry for all your grandchildren to get saved. A hurry for all your children to get in church. A hurry for all this. A hurry to get to heaven. But you don't want to do nothing. That's an issue. That's a problem. That's a problem we have to address. That's a problem we must address. If we want to see revival, we have to address that problem. And a hurry to get to heaven. Heaven is all that matters. We'll pray when we're in need, but what it don't matter about our friends and family. Pure patience says you keep praying over and over and over, no matter how long it takes for them to get prayed. You keep on going to that altar and praying. Pure patience says you'll keep inviting. No matter how many people tell you no, you keep going out inviting. Pure patience says you'll keep reading your Bible no matter how many times, Lord, you feel down and depressed and you say, this Bible's not helping me, you still pick it up and you still open it. That's pure patience. Pure patience. Waiting on God. But in the meantime, working for God. Waiting on God. But in the meantime, working for God. They go hand in hand. You can't just sit around and do nothing and expect the church to explode. That ain't how it works. God's waiting on you. And we need to wait on Him through work. That's not patience. If you've got air in your lungs today, then God has got something for you to do. If this is you in church... Amen, Hallelujah. Oh, I can't wait on God to send revival. I'm yes, Lord, please, thank you for sending revival. Oh, but you don't do nothing but when you go home, you walk outside, just picture this is your kitchen table. You put this Bible down here. Maybe you picked up some tracks on your way out to church. You sit them down here on the kitchen table, go watch the football game, go watch whatever you want to do, And that Bible sits there on Monday. And that Bible sits there on Tuesday. And for the ones that come to church on Wednesday night, let's go to church. You go back to church. That's just for the ones that go on Wednesday night. There's some of you that don't come to church on Wednesday night. And it just sits there on Wednesday too. And Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. Sunday comes in. This is the only time the Bible's being open. These tracts, I don't know if it's just what pocket change or what we're doing with them, carrying them in their pockets but not handing them out. I don't know what it is. But that ain't what God wants us to do. That's not the life God wants us to live. God wants his book to be open every day. God wants his word to be lived every day. Hey, this ain't a book you read. This is a book that reads you. It's like a mirror. It tells you what you need to fix. It'll fix you if you get in it. You've seen proof of it. Look at Tina with cigarettes. Look at my brother with, I'll let him tell you. He's got a testimony. You'll hear it one day. God's working on him. But he's got a testimony. God is moving in some people's lives. Do you want to be a part of it? You're waiting on God to stir the waters up? God wants you to grab a hold of the handle with him and help him stir the waters up. Stir it together. He wants you to be a part of the stirring. Not just sit back and watch it. Wait on him, yes, but do some work while you're waiting. Have that pure patience. I heard an old preacher once say one time, the hardest thing in ministry is waiting on God. It's one of the hardest things in ministry. Being patient, waiting on Him to exalt you up in due time. In the meantime, though, we need to be working for God while we are waiting. Not just looking at the preacher and say, I can't wait for God to send revival. I can't wait for church to get full. I feel like it's starting to grow. What are you doing to help the gross? What are you doing? God's waiting on you. Waiting on you to start praying more. Waiting on you to start opening your Bible more. Waiting on you to start getting in his word deeper and deeper and deeper every day. There's not enough you can get in the word. Not enough. You'll learn something new every day. He's waiting on you to start inviting people to church. He's waiting on you. I'm glad someone handed me a track in Walmart and invited me to church. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because it didn't just affect me. It affected my family. It affected my. It affects other people. It might just be one invitation that affects others. That fit, changes a whole family. Got people off drugs off one on one invitation to church. Broke chains. Got people off of drugs. Got people off of the, out of the will. Of God got people saved. My wife was saved. My brother was saved. All because of one invitation. One invitation can't never could, but pure patience always can. Second point. Phenomenal power. Got to have phenomenal power to get rid of your cants. Look at the next verse. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. There's two key words in that phrase. The first is whosoever, and the second is whatsoever. Whosoever, the pool's power says, which is God's power, remember, God's power, because all power comes from God, would heal whosoever first, doesn't matter who you are young, old, rich, poor, lazy, hardworking, church going, non church going, saved, lost, it don't matter who it was, whosoever got in the pool, whosoever, the power. Extended its grace and mercy to whosoever. In Jesus, my friends, he will extend his grace and mercy to whosoever. Whosoever will. Whosoever will put their faith in him. Whosoever, when he knocks at the door, don't let it or don't push him away, let him come in. When he knocks at the door, see I can't save you. But God Almighty can, through his Holy Spirit. He can save you. He can save you. He can save you if you're sitting here lost. If you feel that, if you feel it in your head and you feel it in your heart, you know, there's something to this. There's something, there's these, there's something to this church. There's something to what's going on. am I saved? Am I not saved? I saved for, for many years I thought I was saved when I got saved to eight, but I wasn't saved. For many years I thought I was saved, I'll be honest. But I wasn't saved. I didn't really truly understand what Jesus did for me that made a way for me to get to heaven. I'm too, I'm too filthy to get to heaven. My sins will not get me into heaven. He covered it for me. He covered it for me. Amen. He extended his grace to whosoever. Can't, never could, but that power of Jesus, it can. That second word is whatsoever. That means any disease, anything wrong, anything at all, anything. That grace and mercy will defeat it. When Jesus asks, Will thou be made whole? Do you not realize? that he has unlimited power and can heal whatever he wants to heal in an instant. He can heal it in an instant. You need to strengthen your faith, he can do it. You need to help pray more, he can heal it. He's got all the power, hung the stars up, created a universe here in six days. He's got all the power. And we want to try to fix things ourselves instead of going to the one that can fix it all. You see, there's one issue with that pool's power though. It says, whosoever first, it was only limited to one person. Only limited to one, the first one that got in. Remember I said the pool was like a church. It may seem like the church has power. It may seem like things are happening. You may have a big church, but if Jesus ain't there, then it ain't a church. If Jesus isn't there, it's not a church. You're going for fellowship. That's it. Jesus has got to be there in the midst. If Jesus ain't in it, there's no power. The pool's power was limited. Jesus isn't limited. His power heals all who asks. It wasn't until Jesus stepped up to the scene of the pool that unlimited power made its way to the pool. It wasn't until Jesus came on the scene that the unlimited power was accessible. It says a certain man, so it must have been a known man, And I would say so because he had this problem for 38 years. And it was in Jerusalem during a feast. So every year all these people come to Jerusalem. This certain man was there. He's been there 38 years. He can't walk. He's probably crawling around different places. 38 years now looking to fix it in all the wrong places. He was stuck in his sin. Imagine that. Stuck. He was stuck, crippled, and we were stuck in our sin. Remember, I'm talking to lost and saved here. If you're saved, you can be stuck in sin too. There's a sin that you need to defeat, that you've been dealing with God with, and you won't give it up, saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, yes, you can. God's power will get you through it, anything, I promise you. There's nothing limiting God's power. If God says you can, you can. Amen? So no drug, I'm telling you right now, I've been on them. No drug will make you feel crazy good like Jesus. No alcohol in this world will get your head spinning like Jesus. And there's no woman in the world as beautiful as the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus. There's none. But the world, amen, the devil tries to paint a different picture, tries to make it look like it's a place of fun and haven, and it's fun, but I'm telling you what. Church is fun. Jesus is fun. Praying is fun. Reading the Bible is fun when you start to get in the will of God. It becomes fun to be in the will of God. I promise you, there's times I've got my head spinning because I felt the Holy Spirit in so much power to where I'm telling you what, it, it's holy, it's holy, it's holy. It'll make you want to jump to tables. It'll make you want to do front flips. I'm telling you what, Jesus, Jesus, He, He, he can make it fun for you. If you just give it all to Him, He can make it fun for you. Hallelujah, He can make it fun for you. His power will overconsume you, and it's fun when you become a soul winner. It's fun when you get up here to preach the Word. Do you think I'm, I'm bored up here preaching the Word? No, it's fun to tell people about Jesus. I love to tell people about Jesus. Whether I'm at work, whether I'm at church, whether I'm out in the streets, it don't matter. I want to tell people about the one who died for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's power. Don't look at the church to fix you. Look at Jesus to fix you. Number three, wholesome willingness. Wholesome willingness. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, He saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? Notice what it says. Jesus went to him when he knew he'd been there for a long time. When he knew that he'd been in pain for a while, he knew that he needed that touch. I'd say out of anyone around that pool, this man had been coming there longer than any of them. 38 years. That's longer than Jesus at the time had been alive. 38 years. Jesus went to the worst case scenario to show no problem was too great for him to heal. Sometimes God allows things to happen that we can't understand, but it's just to show you that he's able to defeat it all. He's able to get rid of it all. There's a reason he waited to the fourth day to come and heal Lazarus. There's a reason he put uh, those three Hebrew boys in the furnace and he had the, the king's soldiers turn it up as far as it could go. There's a reason that he had little old David go up against big old Goliath. There's a reason he had his son Jesus die on the cross to cover every sin for all eternity, past, present, and future. Because all those things are something only God could do. All those somethings bring glory to God. Every one of those situations bring glory to God. So when God may allow things to happen, God may allow depression to come, God may allow anxiety to come, but I promise you there's a reason for it. I promise you, even though you're in a valley, even though we're getting depressed, even though we're wanting to sleep all the time, even though things are happening that we just don't understand, I promise you that God is still good. I promise you that God is waiting for you on the other side. Actually, I lied to you just now. God's not there with you. God's with you. He knows all the pain you went through. I'm glad the Bible says, Jay, though I walk through the valley. I'm not staying in the valley. He's not keeping me in the valley. We're going through it. Amen. So there's a reason God had that all to happen. We're going to get glory for Him. I hope God gets glory for everything. Don't you? God's got to be in it. He's going to do something. This man, he's going to have a testimony to share with people. 38 years, Jesus said something amazing to him. Can you only imagine how he said it? He didn't ask, do you want to be made whole? He didn't say, sir, would you like me to heal you? No, he said, will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? There's a huge difference in want and will. Can I tell you that? There's a huge difference in want and will. I heard a preacher give this example. At a wedding, the preacher doesn't ask the groom, Do you want to take her as your bride? No. He says, Will you take her as your bride? If the pre- look, if the preacher started asking, Do you want to take her as your bride? We might have a lot of grooms running away. <laughs> this little girl was at a wedding one time, and first time at a wedding, she said, Mom, why does the brides wear white? And she said, Because white represents happiness and pure love and joy. And she said, Oh, what about the groom? hey a lot of people today they want to follow jesus they want to be in right standing with him they want to quit cigarettes they want to stop in their sin they want to they want to be in his will they want to come to church regularly but are they willing to are they willing jesus knew the man wanted to be healed of course why wouldn't he want to be healed but was he willing to be I know one thing. He threw some cans up at Jesus. I have no man to carry me. If that isn't a picture of the church today, making excuses when Jesus asks if we're willing to do something. We are self-centered, only caring about ourselves sometimes. Our lost family members and co-workers, and one day, they might end up in a devil's hell. And they might say, why are you down here? They say, they say I have brother he was in church I had my parents they were in church but they didn't tell me about Jesus I had no man to carry me I had no man to carry me I had no man they just stepped right over me they didn't care about me they left me to the side no man care about me and now they're burning for eternity I don't want to go to heaven with bloody hands if the Lord tells you to do something Lord tells you to speak to someone about Jesus Speak to him about Jesus. If the Lord tells you to invite somebody to church in a Walmart, invite them to church in a Walmart. Because if I, ne- I don't know what would have happened. What if Tina wouldn't have invited me to church in a Walmart? And I would have never, and I would have been out of the will of God. And my wife, Victoria, would have died and went to a devil's hell. All because one person didn't invite someone to church. Wholesome willingness You want to go out there and do what God wants you to do. I know you do. If you're in church today and you're saved, most likely you want to do God's will. But are you willing to? Are you willing to do God's will? Are you willing to stop smoking? There's a difference between want and will. There's a difference. as As our family... Going to be going to a devil's hell. We got lost family. Anybody by our show of hands, how many people know somebody that's lost? By show of hands, one person, everybody in here's hands up almost. Everybody, we all know people with needs of Jesus. We all do. Do you know if God puts it in your heart, you need to do it because, like you said, I don't want to go to heaven or with bloody hands. That blood will be on our hands when Jesus asks you to be made whole. Don't say, I can't. Don't say, I want to, because that doesn't mean you will. Say, I will. When you get saved, you had to say, Jesus, I will make you Lord of life, my life. You don't say, Lord, I want to. You will make Him the Lord of your life. That's how you get saved. You will do it. But people are holding on to some things that are too hard to give up. And then when you are saved, you, sit, you still need to make the decision to stay in God's will. Do you want to stay in God's will? Are you willing to stay in God's will? Are you willing to stay in the will of God this morning? I'm going to ask you, are you willing to stay in the will of God this morning? You're at this church this morning for a reason. I don't know what it is, but the Lord does. And if you've got any thoughts in your head, I can't plant them there. I don't have that power, but God Almighty sure does. The saved are saying, I want to follow Jesus, and the surrendered are saying, I will follow Jesus. The saved are saying, I want to read the Bible. The surrendered is saying, I will read the Bible. The Savior saying, I want to pray more. The surrenderer is saying, I will pray more. Get in the will of God. Do you have that wholesome willingness today? What did Jesus say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can we say that today? Do we have the boldness to stand and say that to God Almighty today? Jesus said to him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. My fourth point is fearless faith. Can't never could do anything, but faith can do a lot of things. Faith can do a lot of things, brother. Oh, hallelujah, it can do a lot of things. It can do a lot of things for you when you get that faith. And I'm going to tell you, faith is just as easy as having. When you're scared to do something, it's as easy as saying, I'm going to do it anyway. That's faith. When you're going to say, I, this is a scary time for me, but I know God wants me to do it. That's faith. You're putting your faith over your fear. Your fear will paralyze you, put you dead in your tracks, will make you do things that necessarily you don't, maybe you don't want to do, but you're stuck, you're afraid. Faith, when you put your faith over your fear, you'll step out anyway. You'll step out anyway. And your flesh, when your flesh gets in your way, and maybe there's something you were wanting to do, maybe you are wanting to smoke a cigarette still, maybe you're wanting to go out and party still, maybe you're wanting to get a drink of that alcohol still. It's as easy as saying, I'm not gonna do it. It's as easy as saying, Done. Done. Put my faith over your flesh over the flesh. Faith. Fearless faith. It's not because you're saying, Listen, do you know why I believe the man was healed? That's why I believe the man was healed. I don't think it was because he was saying, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm glad that God sometimes, even, even when we say we can't, he still shows up. Even when we say we can't do something, he still makes a way to where we eventually were saying we can do it. I'm thankful for a God that does that. He said, I have no man. They keep passing over me. Everyone beats me to it. I believe the man was healed because when Jesus spoke with that authority, when Jesus spoke with that authority that only a God in heaven can speak with, he heard it and he believed him. He actually believed the words that come out of his mouth. It was his faith that healed him. When Jesus said, rise up, take up thy bed and walk. I believe that the authority of Christ was so strong to that man when he was looking up at Jesus. I believe his bones immediately got strength that he's never had in 38 years. I believe the man jumped up and I believe he started running around saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe it. I believe he had faith, fearless faith. I believe the man was healed because of his faith. Do you remember when you were down in your sin? You were down in your sin and Jesus came by and said, Will thou be made whole? I remember when I was down in my sin. I remember when I was down in my sin. And Jesus stepped on the scene and I believed him. I believed on him. It was my faith that saved me. My faith that got me out of my sin. My faith that got me on the right track. The authority of Christ is missing in today's world. We tell our kids to obey your parents. We tell your kids, uh, we tell our kids to stop listening to filthy music. Why don't we say, kids, Jesus said to obey your parents. Kids, Jesus said to not listen to filthy music. Why can't we do that? Put the authority of Christ back in the world. That's what's missing. The authority of Christ is missing out of the schools. The authority of Christ is missing out of the church when they don't even open up a Bible. The authority of Christ is missing. In today's world, maybe kids will start praying more. Maybe kids will start coming to church more. Maybe kids will start uh, reading their Bible more, and maybe kids will start fasting more. Maybe kids will start telling people about Jesus more at school. Maybe it'll start a revival. They're looking up to us. They're looking up to us. Here's a quote from Tony Evans. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Can I tell you today, God is telling the truth. God is telling you to have faith. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him without faith. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Quit holding on to some things. Bringing you out of fellowship with God. Start getting right with him. Hey, you're here for a reason this morning. This man represents us. Remember, things we're holding on to. Too much to give up. Got to put faith in the Word of God. I believe Jesus has a word for you specifically today. He's telling you to do something you need to quit. He's telling you to let go of your pride. He's telling you to get deeper in the word. He's telling you to start sharing the gospel and making those breakthroughs. He's telling you to start crying more at the altar. He's telling you to start, where's your tears at for your loved ones? He's telling you to do something. He's always going to be telling us to do something. To start seeking him more and more. You may be lost today, and he might be saying to you, I have a better life for you. I have a life that doesn't involve what you're doing now. I have a life where you can get joy from me. He's saying today, will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? He knows you want to be, but are you willing to be made whole? Put your faith over your fear. Put your faith over your flesh. Whatever He asks you to do, do it. Fearless faith has no bounds. Squeeze every ounce of his will out for your life. Look out down at verse 14 for me. In closing here. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, it says. The first place the man ran to was the temple. 38 years he had no authority to go in that temple. First place he ran was the temple. That's how it ought to be when God made us whole. We ought to be running, shouting, and praising. But Then look what it says. And he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. A worse thing come unto thee. Look at what Jesus says. He's saying to this man that was already, already 38 years in this problem. He's saying if you go out, I just made you whole. I, I just freed you from this bound. I just freed you from this addiction. You go back to it. Something worse could happen. Something worse could happen. Maybe even death. This could be the last time we're sitting in a church today. It could be the last time. We don't know. We don't know why things happen. We don't know why bad things happen, but I can tell you God is still good through it. We don't know why loved ones die sometimes so young. No one knows when their last day on this earth might be, but I promise God can use events like that. God can use those to bring glory to Him somehow, some way, some fashion. Will thou be made whole? Go and sin no more or a worse thing can happen to thee. Blessings come when you obey God and curses come to those that don't. He healed you. He broke your bonds. You told him yes and his, his power sets you free. There's consequences for living outside of the will of God. We've got to learn to fear God like we learned to fear our, our parents when we're younger. We've got to fear him. We've got to worry. God, what are you going to do if I keep living like this? That's the fear of God. We need to worry. We need to, God chastises those he loves. He left the 99 sheep and went to the one. Could be 20 times worse than the problem you had before. Will thou be made whole? It costs not to serve God. It costs not to read the word on a daily. It costs not to share the gospel. It costs to play church. It costs to live in sin. It costs when we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross and then walk, walk right back out the door with them. It costs to do those things. It costs to say, God, I'm giving it up, and then walk back out the door and do it right away. It costs to do things like that. The Bible says God chastises those he loves. He's going to come after you. He's going to. And that can be sometimes things you just wouldn't want. It could be jail that brings you closer to him. And like I said, it could be the death of a loved one that brings you closer to him. It can be those hard things. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. Maybe that brought you closer to God. Why gamble with God? Don't run from what He's telling you to do. Or it will cost you. Can't builds mountains, but can removes mountains. My Bible tells me that if you have the faith as as a grain of a mustard seed, you can tell the mountains to move and they'll move. Mountains of disappointment, mountains of discouragement, mountains of sickness, mountains of trials, mountains of tribulations. Can't will drive people away, but can draws people together. Can't develops demonic spirits, but can pours out the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can't stops your healing, but can hooks you up with the healing power of Jesus. Don't let can't take up in your residence today, in your brain. Because once it gets there, you'll have to undergo a, a major surgery. Your sin spreading across your body. You need to have your cancer cells begin to spread. It's already there, so you need to see a doctor. Let him tell you about the situation. Well, I know a doctor. I'll recommend one to you. He's known as the great physician. He's known as the great physician. And guess what? He even makes house calls. As a matter of fact, he's here today. He's here right now. You don't have to make an appointment to see him. He's here right now. He's here to heal the brokenhearted. He's here to cast out demons in his father's name. He's here to bring joy to the joyless and hope to the hopeless and love to the loveless and faith to the faithless. He's here to open windows of opportunity. He's here to bring salvation to the lost. He's here right now. It seems like the world today shuts the doors when Jesus opens them. The door is being opened right now for healing. Right now Jesus is here. Jesus is right here. The God of the universe is here right now. Can't, never could do anything. But God can always do everything.